Turret. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Temple Mount war has been threatened. That's correct. Today, a Temple Mount war has been threatened by the Palestinians, the Palestinian Authority, and we're going to take a look at what is developing there in the Middle East and in Israel. Things are tightening up, tensions are increasing, and there are some very serious things taking place there in Israel that we're going to talk about today that may affect the entire world. Well, on October 16th, 1989, Time Magazine had a headline. It asked this question, Time for a new temple? In other words, is it time for a new temple? And the question is, if if this is the time, what time is it? What time does it indicate if this is time for a new temple? Well, today on Viewpoint, we're going to discuss that very issue. And I'm glad that you've joined us. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction. Talk that transforms, and today... Talk has been made concerning dividing the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound. That's the Arab version. That's the Muslim version of the words Temple Mount. They claim they own the Temple Mount. They claim Israel never had any involvement or ownership of the Temple Mount, that it belongs exclusively to Islam. It's called the Temple Mount. In fact, if you look at Psalm 2, God calls it his holy mountain. And he says, I have set my king on my holy hill. And yet the peoples of the earth, the powers of this earth, want to set their king on God's holy hill. Beginning with Islam. And so the threat has come of war. War between Muslims and Jews, in fact, dividing the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound, that is the Temple Mount, between Muslims and Jews, would cause overwhelming anger. That's what the Palestinian Authority Prime Minister warned today. During the weekly meeting of the Palestinian Authority and Cabinet in Ramallah, He called on Arabs, Muslims, and the rest of the international community to, quote, move from issuing condemnations to imposing sanctions on Israel to prevent any change at the Al-Aqsa Mosque and halt any violation of Islamic and Christian holy sites in Jerusalem. He was responding to statements made by Likud member of the Knesset, Amit Halevi, who recently said he was preparing a plan to provide the Temple Mount, to divide the Temple Mount between Jews and Muslims. I want you to think about this. Think about the implications of this. Here you have the Muslim group, Islamics, Arab and Islamic, who claim the Temple Mount they call Al-Aqsa Mosque, which, by the way, is built on the Temple Mount, but is not anywhere near the totality of the Temple Mount, but they call it 
Al-Aqsa Mosque. They claim that Islam owns the entire Temple Mount. Therefore, from their perspective, their viewpoint, any claim by Israel to the Temple Mount or any portion thereof is a declaration of war. And so, when a member of the Knesset, Amit Halevi, said that he's preparing a plan to divide the Temple Mount between Jews and Muslims, it was considered to be a declaration of war. According to the plan, the Muslims would be given the Al-Aqsa Mosque in the southern section of the compound where it exists, while the Jews would receive the central and northern part, including the Dome of the Rock. You know that famous, when you see all of the pictures of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, you see the Golden Dome Temp, uh, uh, Dome of the Rock. That would then become part of Israel's ownership on the Temple Mount. Because it's in the southern portion, excuse me, the northern portion of the Temple Mount. So the plan also calls for ending Jordan's control of the holy site through the Waqf Department in East Jerusalem. The proposal has triggered a wave of condemnations by many Palestinians, some of whom warned that it would lead to religious war. Jordanian and Egyptian politicians and Muslim clerics also warned against dividing the Temple Mount and said such a move would have serious repercussions. The Supreme Muslim Council in East Jerusalem warned that any plan to divide the Temple Mount would be considered, quote, dangerous, unquote, and result in the loss of the Al-Aqsa Mosque. The Council called for preventing Jews from entering the mosque. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is a red line, it cautioned. Well, the Al-Aqsa Mosque, from their perspective, is the entire mount. So that's why they consider that Jews should not be allowed entrance onto the Temple Mount, which is the very place where the first temple was built by Solomon. Then the second temple was built. The one that Jesus entered that was amplified by Herod, the king of the Jews, and that Jesus entered and called it, My house shall be house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. But that was destroyed by the Romans in 70 A.D., just as Jesus had prophesied to his disciples it would take place. He said, Not one stone will be left upon another. And now, since 70 A.D., the Jews have been missing the number one item of identification for them as a people with their faith, their historical uh, relationship to uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to Jehovah God, the Temple Mount. They've had no temple there. Therefore, they have been prevented from offering the sacrifices that were demanded by the Torah. And without the sacrifices, there was no blood to be shed for the remission of their sins. Therefore, they have had for almost 2,000 years no even Judaic salvation message. 
They've been under their sins without any form of redemption. Therefore, you can see then why the rebuilding of the temple that would allow under the Torah the sacrifices for the remission of sin would be essential in the mind and heart, particularly of Orthodox Jews. And that's exactly where it is. But all of that has been frustrated and prevented. Now, you might say, well, Christians, we we realize that uh, all those sacrifices were set at naught because Jesus became the eternal sacrifice. Yeshua, in his sacrifice on the Temple Mount, became the eternal sacrifice once and for all. That's true. But the Jewish people have never received that. Therefore, they're still under the Torah law. No remission of sin. You can see why this would be essential to them now. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. The Bible tells us that it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. You can find that in the book of Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 to 3. Are these the last days? Well, the last days began at the day of Pentecost with the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as declared the Apostle Peter there in Acts chapter 2. But now we're living in the latter days of the last days. So, with regard to the issue of the Temple Mount, is this then likening the end times to the fig tree? Is the fig tree going to be linked to the Temple Mount and the rebuilding of a temple, the third temple? The book of of Malachi, God said, the Lord himself will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom you delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. But who shall abide the day of his coming, and who shall be able to stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire, and he shall purify. This matter of the temple and the temple mount is critical, my friends. It is perhaps one of the most signal issues with regard to the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. When Jesus came the first time, you remember, as he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem two days before, excuse me, uh, four days before his crucifixion, he walked directly into the temple, overturned the tables of the money changers, and declared, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, at his first coming, declared it to be his house. 
But then he said to the Jewish leaders, your house has been left desolate. And the temple itself, symbolizing, almost incarnating the very spirit of Israel, he said, was going to be destroyed. The Romans destroyed it in 70 A.D. However, the scripture then seems to say pretty clearly that there is going to be a rebuilt temple. Now, if the Lord himself is going to suddenly come to his temple, as Malachi uh, promises in Malachi chapter 3, I believe it is, and if the Apostle Paul is correct when he said that the counterfeit Christ, the Antichrist, once he becomes in power, will about the midpoint of his rulership and reign upon this planet in a one-world government, will walk into a rebuilt temple and declare himself God. And from that moment, all hell will break loose. Not heaven, but all hell will break loose on the planet. The Bible tells us that Israel will be in deep trouble then. It will be time of Jacob's trouble. You can read about all of that in my book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic End Time Battle. For he who rules the Temple Mount is deemed to rule the world. So in order for Islam to rule the world, they believe that they must have absolute dominion and control over the Temple Mount. And when Turkey, through the Ottoman Empire, once ruled Jerusalem for 400 years, they did have control over the Temple Mount. From the Muslim viewpoint, if they once had any control over any piece of land, it forever belongs to them. doesn't matter what any other laws happened, whatever wars have happened. Once they had their foot in the door in any piece of land, it forever becomes theirs. Therefore, since the Ottoman Empire was a Muslim empire, since it ruled over Jerusalem for 400 years or so, therefore... By implication, in Muslim thinking, it is forever Muslim. They believe Jews have no right, no privileges. They should not even set foot on the Temple Mount. However, things are changing. Things are changing dramatically. If you were to go back about, uh, I would say, to the 1980s, you would find that in Israel there was very little interest in the Temple Mount. It was deemed an impossibility. Nothing could possibly happen that would enable Israel to regain anything on the Temple Mount, let alone build a temple. So it seemed like time was standing still. But time is no longer seeming to stand still. In fact, back there, only about 16% of the Jewish people were looking for a Messiah, were looking for a rebuilt temple. Now that figure is over 60%. Things are changing, and things are changing dramatically. The eternal epic and end-time battle for King of the Mountain is lying straight ahead, friends, and prophecy is becoming history at a breathtaking pace. It just is happening right in front of our eyes. This very day, this very day, and as we go back to the announcement that came 
uh, today for the Palestinian Authority saying any effort to try to divide the Temple Mount so that Muslims can have uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque at the southern end and the Jewish people can then have the rest of the mount, the northern side, uh, to rebuild a temple, they're saying that's tantamount to a declaration of war. So, where we're standing today is, this is, shall we say, the launching pad for the inevitable developments on the Temple Mount in Israel, in Jerusalem, that the scriptures have talked about. It was deemed to be an impossibility. Even Christians, even Christian pastors and leaders have said, you can't do it, it'll never happen, because they said it'll start World War III. But it is getting prepared to happen, friends. Just because the Muslims say it'll be a declaration of war doesn't necessarily mean that that's exactly what's going to happen. So here is my advice to you. When God is concerned, when God has said something in his word, never say never. Resist the temptation in your flesh to say, just because I don't see it, just because it doesn't look like it's a possibility, doesn't mean it's going to, not going to happen. If God has spoken, it is going to happen. If God has spoken, it is going to happen. So, the Supreme Muslim Council in East Jerusalem warned today that any plan to divide the Temple Mount would be considered dangerous and result in the loss of the Al-Aqsa Mosque. The council called for preventing Jews from entering the mosque. The PA, that is, Palestinian Authority Ministry for Jerusalem Affairs, condemned the talk about the dividing of the Temple Mount as very dangerous, said it would lead to religious war. The plan proposed by a member of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's party, the Likud party, they said, is a flagrant assault on the feelings of all Muslims. The implementation of this plan would lead to religious war, they said. And so they warned that such a move would be considered a declaration of war and would lead to an explosion. That is the article coming from the Jerusalem Post today. Does that sound current to you? Well, it should. At the same time, there's another division going on in Israel. It's a division among the Israelis themselves. And we want to talk for a few minutes about that, and then we'll get back to the temple, the rebuilding of the temple, and the Temple Mount. Just as in America, friends, Israeli society is facing a deepening religious divide. Tensions are escalating amidst an ongoing protest against what is called the Judicial Reform Proposal. It's been ongoing now for several months. Threatenings within, threatenings of civil war, massive demonstrations on both sides of the issue in the streets of Jerusalem, and it was tabled for a few weeks. But it is now back on the table. Back on the table for action. In fact, Avignor Lieberman uh, says, you can expect agreement on the judicial reform this week. This week. Not next year, this week. 
This is a big deal. This is a very big deal within Israel because it's reflecting the massive religious divisions or lack of religion in Israel today. It is uh, serving to show or demonstrate the serious divisions within Israel that are very much like the United States of America. Just as in America we are seeing the Christian influence diminishing dramatically and the secular influence increasing dramatically, the same is happening in Israel. The mainline churches in America are part of the pride movement, the diminishing of allegiance to God's creation order concerning male and female, concerning uh, families and so on, is being led by so-called Christian influences in the mainline churches that are conducting all kinds of pride celebrations. They are leading the way. The same is true in Israel. They don't have mainline denominations. They have what is called Reform Jews. The Reform Jews are basically Jewish in name only. In other words, not religiously. Reform Judaism is not seriously Judaism. It is an effort to try to give an element of religiosity to your identification as one born as a Jew. And it's a huge number of people in Israel. They are leading the way together with the atheists, such as Avignor Lieberman, a member of the Knesset, to resist any kind of effort to, shall we say, strengthen the moral and spiritual condition in Israel. So this issue of the judicial reform is a fulcrum issue in Israel that is showing, demonstrating the deepening religious divide uh, amid these ongoing protests against the judicial reform, which is deemed necessary in order to keep the Israeli Supreme Court from becoming the legislative branch of Israel and undoing the entire democracy of Israel. So, as the reform gained uh, momentum, triggering significant changes in religion-state dynamics, contentious issues such as the conscription bill, that is having to do with who has to serve in the military, the proposed basic law on studying the Torah, and debates over Shabbat uh, work are further contributing to the growing conflict. You can see why. Because these are all issues, as in America, that reflect one way or the other whether or not there is allegiance to any kind of biblical mandate or norm of life and living for the country. The right-wing Israelis attend a rally in support of the government's planned judicial overhaul outside the Knesset. There were over a million, it was at least 600,000, gathered in the streets of Jerusalem to support this reform. It wasn't shown in the liberal media 
throughout the world, and especially in the United States. The only thing that was really shown was the uprising among the liberal groups, Reform Judaism, atheists, and so on in Israel that did not want the judicial reform. Findings indicate now a strong correlation between religious affiliation and attitudes toward this judicial reform. Secular Jews display the least support, with only 16% considering the reform as very good or pretty good. 48% of traditional religious and 66% of the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox view the reform favorably. The religious divide regarding the reform is widening even further today. Yet, one of the one of the greatest opponents of it is saying there is going to be an agreement this week. What will happen? We'll see. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived, Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Today, we're talking about the threatened war over the Temple Mount. And uh, indeed, this very day, that threat was made by the Palestinian Authority because a member of the Knesset uh, there in Israel said he is uh, prepared to present a plan for dividing the Temple Mount, 37 of the most precious, priceless acres in the entire world, dividing it in half, the southern portion to the Muslims where their Al-Aqsa Mosque is located and the balance to Israel for the rebuilding of a temple. And we'll see where that goes. So we're going to uh, take a little bit, a, a quick look at the history of the temple, uh, beginning with the tabernacle. But before we get there, I want to make available to you my book, King of the Mountain. If you do not have this book, I really seriously urge you to get a copy of this book. It is going to help you to understand the dynamics of what has been taking place, even going all the way back to creation and before creation, when Satan argued with God in the mount of God in the heavens. That's where it began. And he said, I will be like the Most High God. I will ascend to the heights of the north. What's he talking about? Well, the north is where that, uh, the, the northern, shall we say, precipice or whatever of the Temple Mount 
is precisely the area where the new temple would be built. It's in that area Satan wants to have dominion over the Temple Mount. He will do anything possible, whatever it takes, to have dominion over the Temple Mount. Because that is where he is already uh, declared he's going to have dominion. He seeks to supplant Christ himself, who have said, the Father said that he had set Yeshua, Christ, the Redeemer, on his holy hill, notwithstanding what all the nations want to say. God says, I've already done that. I've declared it. And if God has declared it, then that's what's going to happen, regardless of what you and I might think, regardless of what the nations might think. So the scripture says, why do the nations rage and the people imagine a vain and foolish thing, thinking that somehow they're going to defeat God's plan and purposes? They're not. And so what we're finding now is that the tables are turning even today, this very day, with a declaration by a member of the Knesset that he is laying out the plan for the dividing of the Temple Mount. I'm not sure that this has ever been done before. Exactly how will it happen? I cannot tell you. But it will. Either the dividing of the Temple Mount or the complete change of dominion on the Temple Mount so that Muslims will no longer have any dominion on the Temple Mount. One way or the other, Israel is going to have a rebuilt temple. One way or the other. And this is the great, the greatest desire of the Jewish people, even seculars. Because the Temple and the Temple Mount are so closely akin to their very identity as who they are as a people, that this is the ultimate issue for them. The ultimate issue. Nothing even close. Nothing even close. This is their long desire. This is their hope. This is what they've been praying for. The residual Western wall that you see uh, the Jewish people praying at all the time, that's the, re- that's the residue of the Temple Mount that existed when the Romans des- destroyed the Temple. That's the only thing remaining. And that's why they go there to, to uh, worship and, cr- and cry out to the Lord for the rebuilding of the Temple. So, get a copy of the book, uh, King of the Mountain, the eternal epic end-time battle, because it's all about this tremendous spiritual movement throughout all of history leading to the final battle. You could say the final battle between Satan and God or Satan and Christ over who will rule and reign from the 37 most precious, priceless acres on the planet that is deemed the center of all power and glory, and uh, uh, spiritual authority. Why else do you think the nations are conspiring and confederating together to try to gain their dominion over the Temple Mount? It's just not the Muslims. The papacy has already declared its dominion over the Temple Mount. 
The papacy, the popes, have already declared they're not going to rule from the Vatican. They're going to rule from the Temple Mount, friends. Are you listening? This is not a game. This is the end-time picture. And the book, King of the Mountain, is going to help you to understand the greater dynamics that are taking place. In, In one sense, it's going to be dramatically informing. But it's also going to be transforming in the sense you'll realize all of a sudden it's going to come upon you. I'm living in this time, and I need to be prepared because Jesus is coming soon. Mm Mm-hmm. It is a book that will transform your mind, your heart. It is a uh, a $20 book, yours for $15, on our website, saveus.org. King of the Mountain. SaveUs.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. All right. You remember, now the first temple was built by Solomon. David wanted to build the temple, but God said, no, you, you've been involved in too many wars, I'm going to have your son build the temple. So David made all the preparations, gathered all the equipment, all the things together for the rebuilding, for the building of the first temple. The first temple replaced the tabernacle that had traveled uh, through the wilderness that Moses had constructed at at God's uh, uh, command. And yet you say, well, doesn't the Bible say that God doesn't live in temples made with hands? It's true. He never did. Even in the Old Testament, it says that the Lord God does not live in temples made with hands. So you say, well, why did they build it? Well, because human beings have this propensity, this yearning to have something in front of them that they can see, that they can touch, that they can relate to a little more closely. So Solomon said, I built a house of habitation for the Lord, a place for your dwelling forever. Then it was destroyed. That first temple was destroyed. For nearly 500 years, the glory of God graced Solomon's temple on the Holy Mount. But then the children of Israel, the northern tribes, declared, what portion do we have in David? So they they left, shall we say, the enclave of collective Israel and joined together in the north and worshipped idols. Only Judah remained the heart for the Temple Mount. The Messiah was to come from Judah. Now, that that first temple was destroyed. You remember the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed it because of the rebellion, first of Israel and then of Judah. God said, I'm not going to be mocked. So he allowed Nebuchadnezzar to be, quote, his servant to come in and destroy the temple. Then in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that is now known as Iran, The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, causing him to make a proclamation that would cause revulsion to the 21st century Islamic occupiers of the Persian realm. 
Thus saith King Iris, Osiris of Persia, all kingdoms of the earth hath the God of heaven given me. He has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. So Cyrus, in f- approximately 536 B.C., facilitated and financed the rebuilding of the temple. Now you can understand why King Cyrus, by the way, is shown on late vintage Jewish coins or Israeli coins with the image of Donald Trump superimposed over King Cyrus. Why? Because Donald Trump was the only one that had the courage to say, on behalf of the world, that Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel, and then transferred the American embassy to Jerusalem. He was then seen by the Jewish people as in the nature of King Cyrus that had rebuilt the temple. I have those coins in my possession. So will there be a third temple? I believe there will be a third temple. That second temple, remember, was destroyed by the Romans in 70 A.D. But there's going to have to be a third temple. Otherwise, it will be impossible for two things to happen. Number one, for Yeshua to walk into the temple and take dominion. And number two, for the Antichrist to go into the temple, as the Apostle Paul said, and declare himself God. But when he does that, the Antichrist does that, and commits the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet and rehearsed by Jesus in the Gospels, the Bible says, Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains. Then shall be great tribulation, such as is not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor that ever shall be. That, my friends, will launch what is called the Great Tribulation. Before that time, tribulation has always been in the earth, growing, yes, but then comes the Great Tribulation. The Bible doesn't say that anybody is delivered from any tribulation before that. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Is this the generation that Jesus talked about when everything would be fulfilled? 
Well, there are various views and arguments about that, and we're not going to get into all of those details here because it's not necessary. But what we do see is that the events that the Bible has promised, prophesied, are taking place right in front of our eyes. For instance, one of those has to do with the Jewish people returning to Israel after having been dispersed through captivity, as promised in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, for their rebellion, and is declared in certain other places in the uh, Torah and the prophets. But the prophets said that ultimately, in the end of the age, God will bring them back. They will have been disciplined for many, many centuries. But then ultimately, God, in fulfillment of his covenant to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, will bring them back. Bring them back where? Bring them back to the land of promise, the promised land. That is one of the signatory elements of biblical prophecy that has to be fulfilled before Jesus returns. Notwithstanding what other uh, so-called prophetic voices are saying, it is necessary it's called Aliyah, which means to go up. It's, a, it's become a global phenomenon. It's been happening now for a number of years, going back to uh, 1948. Uh, they first came from Russia, just as the biblical promise has foretold. Over a million came from Russia, and then even more have come from Russia. About 50% of all Jews in the world now come, have made their home in the land of promise. About 50%. It wasn't that way in 1948. But God had said this in the prophet Zechariah, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Yes, many people and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. So the question then still lurks before us, is it time for the temple? Time magazine asked the question in October 1989. In 1993, the very year we formed Save America Ministries, there was a great controversy between the former chief Sephardic rabbi, Mordecai Elihu, and Rabbi Yisrael Ariel, who headed the Temple Institute, concerning whether it's the responsibility of the Jews to build a third temple, or whether the temple would be brought down from heaven when the Messiah comes. Rabbi Ariel argued that it was a biblical obligation of every Jewish man and woman to rebuild the temple. Maimonides had listed the necessity of a rebuilt temple as one of the 613 commandments of the Torah. But the debate still raged among Orthodox Jews whether a rebuilt temple would proceed or be brought about by the coming Messiah. But one thing remains certain, and that is a rebuilt temple is increasingly anticipated, desired, and even demanded. In 1983... A newspaper poll showed a surprising 18% of Israelis thought it was time to rebuild a temple. A mere 3% wanted to wait for the Messiah. Now, over 60% think it's time to rebuild a temple and believe we're in the messianic age. Something has happened dramatically, friends. 
So, is this the time for a third temple? Well, in order for that to happen, there's going to have to be something done with regard to the Temple Mount. The 37 acres there, uh, known as the Temple Mount, that the Muslims refer to generically as Al-Aqsa. So, if this is the timely or propitious moment for that to happen, in spite of what seeming to be insurmountable, insurmountable ob, uh, obstacles, we have to realize something dramatic is going to take place. In fact, since 1989, the efforts have been very phenomenal, actually to prepare all of the necessary accoutrements for temple worship as described in the Torah so that everything will be ready. Even the selection of a cornerstone has been prepared for the rebuilding of the temple. You can read about all of that in my book, King of the Mountain, The Eternal Epic End Time Battle, where he who rules the temple mount is deemed to rule the world. Again, it's a $20 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. By the way, there's a reason why a Jewish talk show host, when he brought me on to discuss this book, He asked for an hour. Halfway through the hour, he said, there's no way we could even scratch the surface of this book in this hour. Would you be willing to come on next week for an hour? That happened the next week. By the time we were through, we had spent seven weeks, seven hours together to talk about this book. Why do you think that was? Because this Jewish man talk show host saw in this book something dramatic that he had never really encountered before that began to open the understanding at the door of understanding concerning prophecy the end of the age now we talked about aliyah jeremiah said the prophet Jeremiah said that God would send forth hunters and fishers, whatever it was going to take to bring the Jewish people back from around the world uh, before the coming of Messiah. Well, guess what? In the last week or two, announcement has come that 100,000 Jewish people made Aliyah this last year, that it's the largest number that they can ever remember other than the great airlift coming from Russia. Something dramatic is happening. The pressures are building around the world, whether it has to do with the Ukraine war, whether it has to do with economic uh, factors in various places of the world, whether it has to do with dramatically increasing anti-Semitism, yes, even in America and throughout the Western world, All of these are being used by God to bring, draw, and pressure the Jewish people to return to the promised land. God is going to fulfill his covenant. 
regardless of what people may think, whether or not they're believers. That's not the issue. If they're Jewish, God is going to bring them back. That tells us that something even more dramatic is going to happen in the United States and in the Western world. It is going to make things so uncomfortable and so uh, lacking in necessity to remain in the Western world that the remnant of Jewish people will say, you know what, it's time to go home. It's time to go home. Now, what time is it? That's a French phrase that uh, I learned when I was in high school and then again in college. It's called Kellur Etil. Kellur Etil, what time is it? Well, friends, it's time to seek the Lord with a whole heart. It's time to prepare the way of the Lord in your life, the life of your children, your grandchildren, your congregations, my pastor friends. This is not business as usual time. Do we not see that yet? Has it not registered in our minds and our hearts yet? Who's going to be king of the mountain? Who will rule and reign from Mount Zion? And more than that, who will rule and reign from your own mind and heart amid the growing resistance, even in among professing Christians, to humble themselves before God and to obey his voice, to confess their sin and to repent? Will a deceptive counterfeit promising a false peace gain global dominion and the Sanhedrin embrace as the long-awaited anointed one promising a temple in time while desecrating the truth itself? Will Israel and her leaders recognize the time of her visitation and salvation from Father God? Or will they be deceived once again by the father of lies to receive another who should come in his own name like the majority in the church are going to do? caving to the mark of the beast. You see, multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision, as the prophet Joel told us in Joel chapter 3. Who is going to be king of the mountain? Does the world need the temple? Well, it couldn't have been stated more boldly or dramatically. The Jerusalem Post, the July 13th to 19th, 2007 edition declared this, the world needs the temple. It was a very explicit article explaining from the Jewish perspective why the entire world needs the temple. Cardinal to Israel's purpose as a holy nation and a kingdom of priest teachers. That was the Jerusalem Post. But the devil still lies in the details. Always does. But the progressive history of developments recorded in the Bible, and yes, indeed, in my book, King of the Mountain, mark the inexorable march of time and eternity toward a rebuilt temple. When would such a temple be built? Does the world truly need the temple? Who will build the temple? And under what auspices? Will it be purely a Jewish endeavor? 
Will it be religious partnership? Will the United Nations join the nations in partnership? Will the Vatican seek to gain oversight? Does the end justify the means? Will this be a house of prayer for all nations to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Or is it going to be a multi-faith project where all religious faiths purport to worship their respective gods as they please? The real question is, who will be king of the mountain? Who is going to rule and reign from Mount Zion? Whose glory is going to be displayed from the earth? Will it be that of Mashiach, Ben David, Messiah, son of David, or will it be a shared glory of all faiths? Whether or not they embrace Yahweh as God and Yeshua as Messiah. Will a deceptive counterfeit promising a false peace gain global dominion? Will the uh, Jewish leadership itself under the Sanhedrin be tempted to embrace the Antichrist as the long-awaited anointed one because he promises to build a temple? These are all issues that we need to deal with. And we deal with them in the context of the great press now for a one-world government. You see, you can't take one of these things in isolation of the other. They are all coming together at one time. And as laid out of the book, King of the Mountain, you're going to see that. You're going to see the great, the, the great world players as they're pushing together and confederating together to take their role, their place, to become Lord of the Earth, head of a new world government, to rule and reign, indeed, for the Temple Mount. Indeed. Temple Mount War? That was the question before us today. It was warned about this very day in the Jerusalem Post. Thanks for joining us. Become a partner. Again, get the book, King of the Mountain. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Read it slowly. It's written so you can read it in bits and pieces. A $20 book, yours for $15 on the website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at $5 for And become a partner, friends. We truly are preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. This isn't a game. I make no money from any of this. This is a labor of love to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. 